everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Unjustly. My name is Stephanie, and this is my co-host, Sandy. Hello. As I researched for stories to cover in today's episode, I was trying to find one that was less depressing than all the other ones, or one that maybe had a happy ending. But of course, I ended up stumbling across a story that I was surprised I had never heard of, and that was as shocking as it was infuriating. So today I will be discussing the 2007 De Anza College rape investigation. Mm which I know you haven't heard of because I asked you if you were doing the story. No, I haven't heard of it. (laughs) It's in the Bay Area. That's why it sounded familiar to me. Because it's... I have friends that went there. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. De Anza College is a public community college in Cupertino, California. And if Cupertino sounds familiar, it's because Cupertino is one of the cities that claims to be the heart of the Silicon Valley. In fact, the top employer there is none other than Apple. So if you have any Apple products, you'll recognize the name. And a little fun fact is that Steve Wozniak and... Steve Jobs both attended De Anza College. Wow. Yeah. So if you look at your box like that, your cell phone comes in, your Apple Watch or any of your Apple products, um, you'll see it says made in Cupertino. Um, so that's why when I saw this, I was like, oh, I know exactly where this is. Yeah. So I it's mean, in near my head. Palo Alto. So it's it's really close to Stanford. It's in a very nice area. Mm-hmm. So um, De Anza College is always at or near the top and transfers to four-year universities, and their website states that we provide students with opportunities to enhance their potential for purposeful and productive lives. We view our students as agents of change responsible for building a world in which people are able to realize their dreams. For former college soccer players, April Grohl, Lauren Chief Elk, and Lauren Bryans, March 3rd of 2007 is a night that they will never forget. They had been invited to a house party in nearby San Jose by members of their school's baseball team, but what was supposed to be a fun girls' night out turned out to be a nightmare and a night that they will never forget. Exactly what happened that night would become subject of immense controversy and a longtime battle for the girl at the center of it all. The party was at the home of a star infielder on the De Anza baseball team, and by the time the three girls arrived, the party was in full swing and the liquor was flowing freely. During the party, the trio noticed a petite, young, blonde girl who was hanging out in the kitchen. Moving forward, I'll be referring to the victim as Jane Doe II, which is just how she was referred to at the time because she was underage. Okay. They recall that she was wearing a cute necklace that they complimented her on and then went about their night. A little while later, they noticed the same girl, but she appeared to be intoxicated and was giving some sort of lap dance to one of the baseball players. April Grohl recalls she only watched this for a couple seconds because it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, like when you go to a house party, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is such a normal scene and it's something that like I can picture in my head Mm -hmm. from the very few amount of house parties I went to. (laughs) But like even for someone like myself who wasn't very much of a party goer, this is such a normal scene. And I, I really wouldn't think like, oh, my God, what is she doing? Why is she giving that guy a lap dance? Like, do your thing, girl. How many have I seen you do? (laughs) i've received so many just from you (laughs) like (laughs) this is so normal (laughs) it's college you're supposed to have it was fun it was later that night and close to midnight as they were about to leave that something stopped the trio in their tracks they saw a young girl knocking on french doors and for those who aren't familiar with what french doors are it's usually two doors with glass panes extending for most of its length so imagine Mm -hmm. like my two doors here Mm -hmm. but the it's just the frame that's wood and then the middle is all glass with maybe like smaller kind of like that okay but in long door Mm -hmm. 
When they tried entering the room, they were confronted by a De Anza player who was holding the door shut from the inside. Mm-hmm. He told them, she wants to be in here and she wants this. Then oh, slammed no. the door in their faces. No, 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 no. Yeah. As he slammed the door in their faces, he told them it was none of their business, which really angered them. After several attempts to enter the room, Lauren Chief Elk noticed a small unconcealed area of the glass at the bottom of the door through which she was able to peer inside. So most people will also put some sort of like curtain type thing Mm -hmm. so that it's blocking out sunlight or it's also like for privacy reasons. So but she was able to because in most cases it's not like an exact Mm -hmm. match to the window and there will be some separation so you can see through. Okay. What was taking place on the other side of the door truly stunned her. She says, when I looked in, what I saw was a girl lying on top of the mattress and a guy on top of her. He was having sex with her and there were about 10 pairs of legs surrounding the bed. I just immediately knew that this guy was raping her. The girl on the mattress was the blonde girl they had seen in the kitchen and the girl they had seen giving a player a lap dance. One at a time, each of the girls crouched down to look through the unobscured glass. Brian says, I saw a guy on top of her thrusting his hips. I saw another guy come up to her and he was forcing oral copulation on her. She wasn't moving at all and her eyes weren't even open. Believing they were witnessing the gang rape of an unconscious young girl, the three women decided to rescue her. They said, a door couldn't stop us. Boys couldn't stop us. I mean, it was just a fight or flight and we were going to get her out of there. Oh, good for them. Them for even stopping and realizing something like wrong was going Mm -hmm. on. They stormed the door and raced to the girl's side as members of the De Anza baseball team casually walked out of the room. Lauren Chief Elk recalls the girl was unconscious when they got to her. Brian, who was only 20 at the time, remembers the girl had a vomiting stream down her face. They said it had looked to them as if the girl's pants had been ripped off. Chief Elk said her body was very graphic. I mean, it was clearly not consensual. And Brian says her panties were wrapped around one ankle. It was disgusting. It was very demeaning and degrading. And it wasn't until later that they would find out that the girl was only 17 years old. Oh, man. Which is like, I get a 17-year-old going to a college party. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, it's not like what you would hope for your 17-year-old daughter to be at a college party. But it's also so common because at 17 you're probably a senior in high school you mm-hmm. might have had friends who were graduated a year older before, like me going to school exactly so it's 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 maybe not where you would hope that for them to be but it's also not uncommon something mm-hmm. that's so normal the three women rushed the girl to an emergency room because they suspected alcohol poisoning and feared for her life Authorities were quickly called in to investigate the possible gang rape, and although the authorities had the three very willing eyewitness accounts, the case would hit a roadblock very quickly. The teen had no memory of the incident. Sheriff Laura Smith, who headed the case, says that they did hundreds if not thousands of hours of investigation, but that it was very frustrating because the alleged perpetrators were part of the college baseball team and had stuck to a code of silence. Unsurprisingly, the team did not provide any of the information needed for the case to progress. The play- so it's very much like that, the roll, fraternity. Red, roll. Oh, the fraternity one. Yeah, where like everyone in the fraternity was like, well, we're just not going to say anything. And if you don't say anything, then they can't get you for anything. Right. Which is really unfortunate. Yeah. The baseball players did talk to their coach, and those who admitted that they were in the room were suspended from the team for violating the school's code of conduct. The sheriff's office concluded that the assault likely happened, and the case moved on to the Santa Clara District Attorney's Office. Two months later, in May 2007, the prosecutor made a decision that stunned Sheriff Smith and the community. District Attorney Dolores Carr decided against filing criminal charges in the case. 
Carr stated that the way the case stands now, it's impossible to file charges and hope to get a conviction in this case. The three women who rescued the teen were crushed for her. They said there were three people who watched something happen. If that's not enough, then you know, why is rape even a crime? Which is such a good question and something we've touched on so many times before. Mm -hmm. When you have three witnesses, why does it come down to the fact that the victim was so intoxicated that she couldn't speak for herself? What's the point of having witnesses in that case? Like just because you were drugged or you were so Mm -hmm. drunk, whether it's your fault or not, Mm -hmm. if there's other people who can say that they saw it happen yeah that's really all it should take that's all it should take to at least file charges if nothing happens then fine but at least file charges so that you can investigate it Mm -hmm. but this wasn't even it didn't even get there oh my gosh the community was outraged and the prosecutor drew criticism Carr praised the woman for the rescuing of the teen from what she called the horrible situation but insisted that what they saw that night was not enough to prosecute Mm. the biggest problem for a jury she said would be that the girl did not remember what happened to her which Again, like, why not let a jury decide that if they hear all of the facts and they still decide, well, since she can't say anything, then we can't really charge this person or convict this person. Then so be it. But you didn't even give a jury a chance to hear all of the facts. Yeah, but I that shouldn't even be an issue if she can speak for herself or not. I know. That's not fair. It's not fair. Due to the continued criticism she faced, Carr called in State Attorney General Jerry Brown to judge the evidence. The AG's investigation went on for nearly a year, offering those who wanted a trial a bit of hope. Meanwhile, the baseball players who continued to say that the girl had consented to have sex garnered little public support. Defense attorney John Connors, who represented Steve Rabagliotti, whose parents owned the home where the party took place, said that there was a side to the story the public had not yet heard. He stated that it had been apparent to a log of the witnesses that she wanted the sex that night. He cited a provocative dance between the girl and one of the players as very sexual and said, and get ready for this one, if she's asking people to have sex with her and if people are having sex with her, that's not illegal, that's consensual. Mm. Now, if she's asking for more than one, then that's up to her. Wow. The victim, by the way, stated she never consented to having sex with anyone that night, so how could it be consensual if everyone had agreed that she had been unconscious? Yeah, So there's no consent. And she had like vomit on her coming out of, yeah that's ridiculous yeah and they can't use the fact that she was giving someone a lap dance as no consensual. it doesn't no, matter what she's it, wearing not. it doesn't matter what she's doing like until that moment happens if she can say yes appropriate she doesn't even have to say no because if you can't talk it's a yeah. no she has to say yes this is and obviously i think everyone's in a consensus that that's not that's what not what happened happen. yeah And I also wanted to briefly talk about this guy, Steve, because just hours before the house party that night, Steve's green Dodge Ram pickup made an unsafe turn on a local freeway, causing two other cars to collide before he fled the scene. Oops. The California Highway Patrol said that it would seek a felony hit and run charge against him in connection to the crash. Additionally, only weeks after the house party, another woman came forward claiming she had also been sexually assaulted in December of the previous year by De Anza College baseball players at his house. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'll just leave that there because enough of this asshole. Like, we don't need to give him any more time. But, like, that's the kind of person we're kind of dealing yeah. with. Jerry Brown would eventually decide not to file charges citing insufficient evidence for prosecution, questionable accounts from partygoers who had consumed large amounts of alcohol, and in general, widely conflicting statements. And, of course, the statements are conflicting because none of the players would willingly of course. admit to gang rape. What do they rape. expect? Right. Like, oh. yes, of course, you're getting conflicting statements. 
Jenna Skinner, one of the basketball players, mother said in an email, talk to your kids about what happened here. Don't think something like this can't happen to you. When you drink too much, you're not able to control what goes on around you. And you could end up in a nightmare like this, even if you don't do anything wrong. So she sends that out, I believe, to like the other moms and the baseball players. Uh What do you take from that? Like, what's your... That the nightmare is the baseball players who are being accused of rape. (laughs) And they need to be careful so that they don't get accused of something they didn't do. Okay. Because that's exactly what I took. I just Mm -hmm. feel like this isn't the message that I would be putting out at a Mm -hmm. time like this. Because it's focusing on how far how unfair things are for her son mm-hmm. who didn't, who maybe didn't actively rape the teen, but also didn't actively stop the rape yeah. and didn't come out and speak and like tell the truth of what was going on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh, poor me, poor my son. Like you guys, we should talk about our kids about what happens when you're drinking because then other drunk people can make false claims on your kids. It's like, yeah. that's you're missing the entire point here, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Come on. See, and this is where the accomplice thing actually is useful. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. This I can get this, behind. It makes sense. If one, if you are watching someone rape another person and you're just there standing and watching and allowing it to happen, you're an accomplice to this. Yes. Yes. I, I concur. Okay. One year after the alleged 2007 assault took place, the young woman sought another avenue to have her day in court a civil lawsuit seeking damages from her alleged attackers. Jane Doe, the second, would take the case to civil court four years later, but from the beginning, this was a complex case. First, because of the drinking involved, which made it hard to identify who was in the bedroom where the sexual activity took place and to what extent they participated. Of the original 10 people accused in the civil complaint, nine were members of the De Anza College baseball team. Before the trial, even began, the judge had thrown out allegations against two of the players. Then, during the trial, the women's attorney dismissed their accusation against two others and entered into agreements with three ball players, which only left two of the ball players to face a civil a civil jury's final decision. Mm. So there was just a lot going on, which I'm sure. I understand that this is a complicated case, but mm-hmm. this is what I mean as far as like let let the court system do its thing. Let this go to trial mm-hmm. and and let it play out as it should. Because like you said, everyone has a right to a, a trial, a fair trial. Yes, yeah, their constitutional right. And before we get into the actual verdict of the case, let's talk about the judge who presided over the case. His name is Judge Aaron Persky, who only four years later would be under fire for his lenient sentencing of Brock Turner, the former oh, no. Stanford swimmer oh, no. convicted of sexual assault. Oh, stuff. This just got really <laughs> bad. <laughs> no yes this is the when same I judge was investigating this or like researching this i was like you've got to be fucking kidding me of no. course this is the guy who's presiding over the civil case for this poor woman Girl. oh my gosh so when you first said this is the same judge and i was like that would be a crazy turn of events if it was brock turner's judge <laughs> but then immediately i was like there's no way this is connected it's all in the same area oh gosh remember you said it's close to stanford uh yeah oh yeah that's right yeah oh god yeah so oh. before he showed leniency to rapist brock turner judge aaron persky made court rulings that appeared to favor the two baseball players in the deanza case Jane Doe's lawyer, Barbara Spector, told the Daily News that the scope of the judge's discretion was very wide. She says, I felt that overall the decisions he made favored the defendants more than the plaintiff. 
In one such ruling, Persky allowed lawyers for the baseball players to show Facebook photos of the female plaintiff socializing and revealing clothes more than six months after the alleged sexual assault. Oh, my. The defendant said that the photos were introduced to show that she was not damaged and was at a party in October of the same year. But the prejudicial impact of those photos was far greater than their probative value because the photos had nothing to do with what happened on Mm -hmm. March 3rd of 2007. So Mm -hmm. basically, they're showing these like party pictures of her out saying well clearly she's not damaged and clearly she's fine and isn't having any kind of trauma base or trauma from the alleged gang rape because look she's out at a party but i think anybody who's gone through a difficult time would understand that when you're trying to mask your feelings Mm -hmm. suppress your feelings you'll do almost anything including partying excessively drinking excessively Mm -hmm. doing things that you shouldn't be doing in excess Mm -hmm. to just not think about those things like yeah it it makes total sense also like who cares if she's out at a party that doesn't negate what happened to her at the party in march yeah like i think it's extremely unfair to say that the only people that deserve justice or deserve to take their rapist to trial is if they become like this hermit after and yeah. it's just depressed and can't do a single thing and only they can bring like she's expected trial. to just like what her life's supposed to end now that's crazy that that shouldn't even be a part of no it's like the rap song it is like the rap song the stuff shouldn't have been allowed in court video. at all because it it gives absolutely no value to Mm -hmm. what's happening it doesn't it doesn't provide any value it it just doesn't i I don't want to throw in race at every single thing we try to do but in that area especially after we've seen brock turner when you compare some of those white athletes to let's say a black kid on the street who got accused of rape like we're gonna throw the books at them yet these athletes who are usually white are given so much leniency. Yeah, and I will say the victim was Hispanic. Mm. Um, so it's like, you know, it doesn't mean very much mm-hmm. necessarily, but it could, Yeah, you know. Um, in another one of the photos shown at the trial, the victim reportedly was shown wearing a garter belt and fishnet stockings as if what she was wearing was an invitation to what happened to her that night. If you guys haven't listened to our rape <laughs> culture episode yet, please go back and listen to that. I think it's episode like three or four. Yeah, it's And it discusses ones. every single one of these and how much of an issue it has impacted rape victims or rape survivors, we should call them. Yeah. And um, I, I really feel that anyone that's going to hold any type of position to help victims or to give justice if that's what you want to call the criminal justice system i think they should be very well versed in rape culture and taught this because these are the people that are in charge of people's lives entire lives Mm -hmm. the survivors and the perpetrators yeah but if this is how they're thinking if they're like let's let's look at pictures of what she looks like months after the fact let's see what she wore one time yeah let's see what yeah what because none of it matters position of power I don't know. That's abuse of power. So in another photo, she was seen, quote, nestling a shot glass full of liquor in her exposed cleavage. It's like if we put a shot glass right here. Girlfriend, if this if, That's if what this I, is what we're basing it off yes. of, then that means I'm a terrible person. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, we all are. Like, some more than others. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, no. you're allowed to 
have a couple drinks, yeah. let loose, have fun without expecting that if you do those things, mm-hmm. you are consenting to rape because that's not how it works and no. that's not how it should ever work. No. And like he says, one of the defense attorneys asks her, did you have PTSD when you did this? Like in your pictures, like when you were like basically saying like, oh, like were you suffering from P-? not even basically not like saying suffering, but like. It was just like throwing it in her face. Like, clearly you're not suffering from PTSD because look at all these things you're doing mm-hmm. in these pictures. And mm-hmm. it's like just kind of throwing salt in the wound, but also like guilting her for yeah. for doing things that any 17, 18, 19, 20 year old really is doing at that time. Well, it's victim blaming. Yeah. And that's what they do best. So another controversy related to Persky's handling of the case stemmed from his decision over testimony from the alleged attackers. So get this, four of the baseball players invoked their Fifth Amendment right not to self-incriminate during the discovery phase of litigation, Mm -hmm. which that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's your Fifth Amendment right. Mm -hmm. According to Monica Bernikis, the plaintiff's other lawyer, that was a critical juncture preventing the young woman's team from obtaining evidence that could have helped them pursue their case. The original judge in the case ruled in 2010 that the defendants could stay silent, but that would also mean that they would be prohibited from testifying in a later part of the case. Right. Which makes sense. Basically, it's saying that's right. It's fine for you to invoke your Fifth Amendment. Right. You Mm -hmm. don't have to speak, Mm -hmm. but you won't be able to speak in any of the case. Mm -hmm. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. The ruling was then overturned by Persky, a move that the attorney feels undermined Jane Doe's case. Ultimately, the jury of six men and six women found that there was no negligence on the part of the defendants and they did not have to pay any damages to the victim. So basically, they were able to not speak when it would incriminate them, but also speak when it would help them, help them, which just makes no sense. No. And also, again, of course, the jury is going to find that there was no negligence on the part of the defendant. They didn't have they never had any chance to say anything that could possibly change their mind over this. This is so messy. Persky was only in the position to influence the outcome of the Danza case because it was brought into civil court rather than criminal court after prosecutors did not bring charges. So such an outcome is indicative of a criminal justice system which advocates for survivors of sexual assault but fails to hold their perpetrators responsible. Mm -hmm. Research has repeatedly shown that only a small fraction of rape cases lead to prosecution. Persky's critics have argued that his actions in the De Anza case and the Stanford assault reflect a lack of empathy for victims, noting that the judge himself was a former Stanford athlete. Yep, yep, so, yep, yep. Of course... He's going to like see himself in these players or see himself in these like perpetrators because it's like, you know, like that could have been me type of thing. But it's like, why don't you? He probably was. Why to aren't be honest you compassionate you? to the people that it actually he happened to? He probably did. Allegedly. I'm not lie. Allegedly. I think he allegedly did. <laughs> There's so. no, no evidence to that. No, but I'm just throwing I it out see there. That. I, yeah, I feel like he probably dabbled in some things like that. And he's like, no, that's fine. That's totally fine. So he's not going to accuse anyone else. It's what, yeah. That's the rape stupid. culture thing. So he's not a judge anymore, right? He's out. I think he's out. In addition to the controversial rulings of Judge Persky, Jane Doe had to sit through cross-examination that aimed at painting a picture of her, not as a victim, but as a willing participant. Attorneys for the two remaining men on trial confronted the young woman with tough questions. Allison Crane, who represented baseball player Christopher Knopf, exposed a series of stories the young woman had told investigators, starting with the source of the two 18 packs of beer she had brought to the party. 
The teen had told sheriff's deputies, an investigator for the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office, a lawyer from the Attorney General's Office, and defendant's lawyers during a deposition that she had not brought the alcohol to the party. At a later point, she made up a story about receiving the beer from a man in a white truck. But later on, she admitted that she had lied about the alcohol because she was underage and wanted to protect her friend's aunt who had bought it for her. So they're trying to paint her as a liar, basically, because she lied about this one teeny tiny detail about bringing an 18 pack of beer to the party. Which has nothing to do Which, with again, the boy's actions with, of raping yes, someone. It has nothing to do with that. Oh, my God. So just to throw this in real quick, in 2018, that judge was recalled and he was the first judge to be recalled in California in over 80 years. Thank God and good riddance. Thank you, Bay Area. <laughs> the young woman also told a sheriff's deputy that she drank infrequently and that she only drank about once a month and it would only be beer. Later on, Crane asked if the statement was true and she admitted it wasn't. Crane would also point out that the young woman knew the risks of drinking, mm -hmm. which I'm sorry, but like, can we live in a world where rape is not a risk of drinking? Mm -hmm, that doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. One has, has no correlation with the other. It just doesn't. This entire trial sounds... A shit show. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy mess. But at the same time, like, I have not heard a single relevant thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> None of this has to do with the case no, they're, at all. Literally, they're just... They, they went to court to run a, a like smear campaign on this poor girl mm -hmm. and try to paint her in the worst light possible with things that have absolutely no correlation with her being raped. And this is exactly why survivors don't come forward because yes. it's victimization twice. They're a victim, they get raped and mm -hmm. then they go to court and all of a sudden they're a victim again. Like it's ridiculous. This is why the amount, the percentage of people that come forward and the percentage of people that actually get tried is so incredibly low. Yeah. Dangerously low because of people like that. Mm -hmm. Crane would continue by, by asking, people told you you were flirtatious when you drink alcohol. Which isn't so much a question as much as it's just like she's just telling her like, right? Okay. Like people told you, you you become flirty when you drink, which hello, who doesn't? We all do. <laughs> and then she says, I don't recall people told you that you were touchy-feely when you drank alcohol and again she says i don't recall because again like what would admitting that admitting that would just make her look bad which it shouldn't but mm -hmm. I, but you know like in the eyes of the court the way things are going for her mm -hmm. her admitting that like yes i drink alcohol and then i become flirty obviously then leads to well obviously if you become flirty then you flirted your way into this gang rape which mm -hmm. is not how it works Oh, my God. It's so infuriating. Jane Doe uh, II, she held up well under the barrage of questions, deflecting a lot of them in five ways. She would repeatedly say she didn't understand the question, breaking Crane's rhythm and preventing herself from being rushed into an answer. She also said over and over that she simply couldn't remember. And she met some questions head on, saying once calmly, I believe I answered the question already. And you can sit here and grill me, but I'm telling you the truth. Good Which is good her. for her. Good for her. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She also took the sting out of some of the potentially incriminating moments by admitting them readily, such as that she wasn't doing well in school before the incident. Again, why does this matter? And she reacted tearfully at times, claiming that the alleged attack left her angry and in great pain. She even had an answer to Crane's question about whether the photos of her with the shot glass and making an obscene gesture looked like someone with post-traumatic stress disorder, to which she responded, and this is brilliant of her. 
But she says, I'm not a doctor, but the fact that a doctor came up and said I do, I have a hard time with that. I was pretending to be fine. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor, Mm -hmm. but a doctor has already come up here and said, yes, this is a girl suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, and yes, I was pretending everything was fine. That's such a, like, I think for girls, that's so easy to believe, even if you weren't sexually assaulted in this manner mm-hmm. i think a lot of women have been sexually harassed mm-hmm. and you do pretend everything is fine like don't just ignore them everything yeah. is fine or yeah. like boys will be boys or whatever like you just justify all of these things so i i absolutely believe her that she was pretending to be fine yeah as she's just trying to like stumble her way through the years after this happened to her like anyways after the trial, her attorney issued the following statement. Miss Doe wishes to express her gratitude from the time and dedication the jury devoted to her case. The jury was told about a 17-year-old who was served shots of alcohol at a party and became highly intoxicated. At that point, members of the De Anza College baseball team made a choice. Instead of keeping the young woman out of harm's way, they confined her in a small bedroom and engaged in group sexual activity. When three De Anza College soccer players, Lauren Bryans, Lauren Chief Elk, and April Grohl rescued the teenager by breaking into the room, they found her with vomit on her face, partially closed, and in a semi-comatose state requiring hospitalization. The baseball team members then made another choice. They walked out of the bedroom and did nothing to assist. In telling her story, Jane Doe wishes to focus attention on these choices and encourage the example set by the soccer players for caring for her rather than exploiting one another. Yeah. Months later, in August of 2011, in an interview with ABC7, the young woman at the center of the story finally came forward. So she kind of stayed behind wraps and she Mm -hmm. never wanted to give her name or Mm -hmm. like she hadn't wanted to release her name. And so for years, Jessica Gonzalez was known as Jane Doe II, the young woman at the center of the De Anza rape case. And without knowing her, the public debated her story. Did she invite a group of young men to have sex with her at a drunken party? Or was a 17-year-old who loved playing softball nearly passed out while she was sexually violated? Her story had shocked the community and had become part of a national debate on rape. Jessica says, I put part of the blame on myself, but what they did was wrong. And it wasn't just one person. It was all of them. They were teammates and they were a team until the very end. Isn't that so sad? Oh my gosh, yeah. She stated that she had learned about the party through a friend and that she had brought beer to the gathering with the intention of drinking. She didn't know any of the nine players later accused of the gang rape. And she says, to be honest, I didn't know what any of them looked like until I was shown photos at the police department. And until then, I've never seen any of them in my entire life. I couldn't even recognize the photos. She does remember drinking vodka shots from a bar that had been set up in the house, but that's all. She says, the last thing I remember before waking up in the hospital was sitting down in a chair in the living room. The lap dance that was frequently brought up is not something she even remembers. Wow. Former plaintiff attorney Barbara Spector says they were either assaulting her, they were attempting to assault her, they were encouraging the assault, or they were being entertained by the assault. Meanwhile, the former defendants declined a request for an interview, but the attorney for one of the men accused says Gonzalez was not as drunk as she claims and invited the baseball players to have group sex. He says, I don't see what else they could have done. This is one of those situations where they were lured into a very troubling scenario by a provocateur and they fell for it. A 17 year old provocateur. Yeah. And these and they just men couldn't fell handle themselves like the fucking nerve of this guy. Yeah. You weren't there. You have no idea what happened other than three girls saw this girl being raped and you still feel the need to come out and be like, well, they fell for her lure. Like she lured mm-hmm. them and like, cut. Like she had off, some dude. magical powers and 
these boys as she's don't blacked have any out. Restraint. Yeah, Gonzalez is. Gonzalez decided to break her silence because she's not ashamed and believes what happened to her is wrong. She says you can't change other people's opinions, but if this changes one person or if this helps out a survivor in thinking I can keep being strong, then that's all that matters and that's why I'm doing this. Mm. As for Grohl, Chief Elk and Brian, they make appearances on college campuses speaking for a campaign that they inspired called No Woman Left Behind. They tell their tale to auditoriums filled with college students and I... I, like, looked for them on social media. Mm -hmm. I believe I found Gruel, but maybe it was, um, it might have been, like, private. But the one that I did find that I was able to kind of, like, look through her Mm -hmm. page was um, Lauren Chiefelk. And, like, this girl is just, she's, like, a badass. She's definitely, like, a little justice warrior. And I think that what happened here... Also, she's of, like, Native American descent Mm -hmm. because her name is Chief Elk. Lauren Mm -hmm. Chief Elk. Her whole, like, Instagram page is just social justice issues, but she also focuses very much on, like, indigenous issues. Nice. Um, and I, I, I mean, obviously I don't know, but it seems like maybe this is something that really kind of catapulted her Mm -hmm. into wanting to keep fighting, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really, really sweet and obviously very inspiring. I also found Jessica on social media. Mm -hmm. I was tempted to reach out to her, but I honestly, I talked to you about this, but Mm -hmm. she has a family. She has, I believe it was two, two kids, two little boys. I want to say she has children. Um, And she seems to just have moved on in a really healthy way. She seems to be in a loving marriage. And Mm -hmm. like I said, she has her children. I don't know. I just feel like she, she spoke out at a, like at a rally once but that's Mm -hmm. pretty much all i found from her so it's like i think she wanted to come out and give her name but then didn't necessarily want to keep living in living it yeah Yeah. and so i decided against it if you're listening we think you're incredible thank (laughs) you for speaking out and telling your story but i just thought you guys should know that even though something this terrible happened to her she does seem to have coped Mm -hmm. well and is living a very happy life um I was as I was scrolling through her Facebook page, I saw that like I think she like reposted something mm-hmm. and oh, actually yeah, so she reposted something and it was um it was like a news article about the recall of Judge Persky. Oh good. Yeah, and that's literally the only thing I saw on her page that had anything to do about the case at all. The case or anything mm-hmm. remotely related, which I thought was really sweet because you know, I mean, like, yes, this is her this is her life mm-hmm. that is never going to go away. And she's obviously still, I'm sure, deeply affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that she reposted that I thought was really cool. I was like, yeah. oh, like, okay, like she's still she there, you know, she's still sure. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's the really sad and awful and tragic story of the Deanza College rape investigation and. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't also like an isolated case. I feel like we see this much more than we should yeah and the things and the ways in which they went about smearing her and painting her in a really negative light is not again it's something that it's more common than not like Mm -hmm. this is the norm when it comes to rape rape investigations and rape cases so it's really sad that that's the case but hopefully we're moving towards something better and and making progress in that arena this was back in 2007 so it's been 14 years but it's just I still like, feel I still like we feel haven't like gotten we anywhere yeah this is still the norm yeah. I mean the rape kits don't get tested yeah. and 
people, people are still, still don't believe victim blaming. Victims. We're still trying to push the idea of rape culture and there's still people pushing back thinking that yeah. that doesn't exist. So it, I really don't feel like we've made the progress that we need yeah. in 14 years. I know. That's it's literally insane. been 14 years because yeah. this was in March of 2007. So. Okay, I lied. This is not a happy ending. No, Nothing not has changed, but we're happy for Jessica. <laughs> we're happy that the judge got recalled. Yeah. Thank goodness. It's unfortunate that it took something like Brock Turner, Brock Turner to bring attention to it because God knows how many Who knows cases how many he's other done cases this he would have botched too. Mm-hmm. And, oh, or yeah. not botched, but like, you know, affected in this way. Yeah. Where it's like some so many of these things should have never been allowed in court, but because of his ruling on letting the players plead the fifth when it was convenient for them, but then letting them speak and bring into court like her Facebook pictures and stuff. Right. I mean, it obviously led the jury maybe to think of her in a specific way that just wasn't necessary. And also Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot about what we as like a society Mm -hmm. need to learn. And we need to understand that one thing does not relate to another, Mm -hmm. that someone can be, sexy and can be goofy and silly and take dumb pictures when you're young Mm -hmm. and that those things do not equate to someone who wants to be raped and that drinking doesn't lead to rape it's not it's not the drinking that raped her it's the boys who were raised in a society who think it's okay to abuse someone who is not all there Mm -hmm. because they're less than because they're a woman or they're a girl or because they know nothing's going to happen to them yeah I am hopeful for the future generations because I feel like with all of this talk right now about advocacy, and I feel like our generation and the generation after us, mostly the generation after us, is starting to be more outspoken with their advocacy. And those people are the ones that are going to law school now. Yeah. And so I'm hoping, I don't know. We also live in a bubble of progressive California. That is true. Yes, I see those things happening in quote unquote blue states, Mm -hmm. but there's a large portion of America who even people our age who do not think like we think, who are still very much backwards and very racist and Mm -hmm. very biased and prejudiced Mm -hmm. who are raising their kids to to think this way. So I, I still think there is a lot to do, but it is really nice that. You know, I wasn't necessary. I wasn't raised progressive. That's the thing. Like, I was not raised as a progressive person. Like, my mm-hmm. mom didn't sit me down and, like, give me all of these, like, talks about how, like, there's no color or we, you know, everyone is, we should all be treating each other equally. Like, mm-hmm. I never got those conversations. I truly don't know where my, like, I, I don't know, progressive nature came from. Mm-hmm. But I know that moving forward, and also it's been really cool because my sister and I have been able to educate my mom on these topics mm-hmm. where, you know, before it, it, she was by no means racist, but she didn't know, you know, all of the things that we know now and mm-hmm. what you should and shouldn't say and why certain things are hurtful and why stereotypes are hurtful. So we've been able to educate her and she now goes to protest with us mm-hmm. and she you know, she's so interested in the topics that we cover and she'll like text me like she texted me the other day that she saw the Fruitvale oh, the movie. movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool that we are retroactively able to help our our older generations, but yeah. we're also very much indirectly affecting the future ones that are close to us. Mm-hmm. And and so that will go a long way. But I do think that we need that to spread to middle America where mm-hmm. 
that's just not happening. Like we're really lucky to be on the coast where most of us do think that way. Yeah. And, and we are able to affect our kids and our future generations. But mm-hmm. we need we need to move to middle America and make it better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Make it yeah, progressive. Well, Texas is slowly turning blue. Yeah. In some areas. When I was visiting there during the elections, it was a crazy amount of Biden nice um, things that i was seeing and a lot of people were in line and they're like we're voting for biden so it was really weird to see this like turn and i think yeah some of it was you know people migrating there but i think a lot of it is also people starting to kind of change their mind about things and things are being more readily available information i mean bad information is also available but i i think it's slowly reaching people and the good thing about law school, from what I've heard, even in conservative states, is that they do teach a lot of things that conservatives consider indoctrinating <laughs> the children, <laughs> such as critical race theory. I mean, yeah. they do talk about that in law school. And I've heard ta- a lot of lawyers saying, like, this has been taught to us for a long time mm-hmm. now. This is nothing new to us. So, yeah, in hopes that you know, we continue progressing in a way of, of race mm-hmm. and, you know, sexual orientation and rape culture yeah. and, you know, things like that. I think eventually we'll get to a place, but we're definitely nowhere near there yeah. yet. Yeah. But I have faith in the future generations. I do have faith. Mm-hmm. I have so much faith. It's one of the reasons why I want to have a child mm-hmm. is because I may not be doing anything that's changing the world. I'm not a politician. I'm not a celebrity that has like really a huge, this huge platform to affect change. Mm-hmm. But I think that this, the most powerful way to affect change is to create life that mm-hmm. like will then affect future generations. And mm-hmm. that's such a cool idea to me. And literally one of the reasons that like I think back and I'm like, when did I actually think like, I want to have kids? Like, I can't necessarily think of it. But Mm -hmm. what does come to mind is like, I knew that if I were to have a baby or Mm -hmm. some whatever, a child, that I would be affecting change in that way. And that's that's just so cool to me. It's like, wow, I'm like leaving this little thing here that's going to be kind to others and be accepting have kids, Loving. everyone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Only have kids if you're going to teach them yeah, nice values. Yeah, if you're not, just don't. <laughs> don't. Overpopulation is still a thing. <laughs> but if you're going to raise good children, go ahead. <laughs> Otherwise, keep it in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> or don't, but use protection. God damn it. <laughs> Which brings us to women's rights. <laughs> everything is connected everything is connected it really is okay in all seriousness thank you guys for listening i hope you guys enjoyed it and i hope that this sparks conversations like the ones sandy and i just had because this is these are the conversations that matter yes and so please talk to your friends about this like i don't know yeah follow us on social media if you have not yet under unjustly podcasts make sure to leave us a rating and review Um, All of those help us a lot to be able to spread more awareness about the cases and hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Yeah. And thank you for listening to Unjustly, the podcast that if you don't end the listening to angry, we didn't didn't do our our jobs. Yeah. (laughs) We're here to make you upset. We didn't do our job. (laughs) Steph and I are constantly (laughs) upset. (laughs) Always. We we literally end these uh, so mad. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not mad. You shouldn't be listening to us. (laughs) What are you doing? Thank you for sticking around, though. Bye. We'll see you next week. Bye.